Welcome to Scandal Water, where the tea is hot and the conversation lively. Your hosts, Candy and Ashley, will discuss a peculiar story somehow related to the entertainment industry. This podcast might not change the world, but it just might satisfy your thirst for an intriguing tale. Oh, it's that time of day. Tune in and hear what the ladies say. It's time to bend your ear when the silver screen appears. Stories about the stage and screen and everything in between. So come on and join the fun. The curtain opens in three, two, one. Hi, Ashley. Hello, Candy. Should you tell our listeners about the company we have with us right now? I hope you all are feeling very relaxed because Scotty has decided to join us and I've put down his favorite blanket and he is hard at work in the bakery. <laughs> he is keeping this family running. He is making biscuits and purring. And uh, I was telling Candy before we started, it is just stupid how much I love this cat. <laughs> well, he is cute. He's, he's very a, sweet. He's a mess. <laughs> well, I'm a little excited okay. to get into this episode with you because I think we're going to have a lot to talk about. You're doing that little grin that you do I, when well, you've plotted something that you know I'm going to love. I, I Maybe I'm wrong. Okay. I could, I, you know, I've been wrong before, but I feel like this is one of those where we're going to be armchairing all over the place Ooh. and not just at the end. So, okay. You going to tell them what the theme is for this month? Are we starting with that? or? No? Oh, well, so the theme for May is uh-huh. May I, and then you never know where the, where the, yes, where that's going to go. Because it's clever, right? May I? Mm-hmm. May, oh, may ah. I? Yeah, get it? Ah. <laughs> well, I'm not going to tell you the fill in the blank yet, oh, okay. but you're going to guess it in about 10 seconds. Okay. All right. So actually, I'm going to start with well, kind of some depressing oh, statistics, dear. but it's, we're going to lift it right back up. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. So from the World Health Organization, here's some information. Mental health conditions are increasing worldwide. I'm actually going to quote directly from their site. So this is their words. Mainly because of demographic changes, there has been a 13% rise in mental health conditions and substance use disorders in the last decade. Now, this is back in 2017 is when that was quoted. Around 20% of the world's children and adolescents have a mental health condition. Oh, this is awful. With suicide, the second leading cause of death among 15 to 29 year olds. Mm -hmm. Approximately one in five people in post-conflict settings have a mental health condition. And then it goes on to talk about how mental health conditions can have a substantial effect on all areas of a person's life, school, work performance, relationships with family and friends, ability to participate in the community, all these things. And two of the most common mental health conditions, depression and anxiety, cost the global economy about a trillion each year. Okay, it's been more than 10 seconds and I have no idea. Okay, that was a really dark way to yeah, start. Yeah, it was. I'm sorry, that <laughs> was a were, little misleading. And you were reading your own statistics like, I can't believe, who put this in here? You were just like, this one's sad. Like it was the first time you'd I seen it. I was realizing like, hey, this does not actually follow the grin and like the glee that I started with. Like kind of, okay, I'm feeling really terrible right now. (laughs) Okay, but here's the part that's more interesting and that you're going to relate to. Okay. Okay. The depression and anxiety? (laughs) (laughs) No. Because I was feeling it. (laughs) Because of this alarming increase in mental health conditions, we've also seen changes in our society in response to that. Okay. So, for example, from an education perspective, we are doing a lot more things now to try to meet like the social, emotional learning needs of our kiddos in school. And I'm on pause 
podcasts all the time. I don't know if you hear them, but I hear BetterHelp advertisements. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And on TV, there are a lot of shows dedicated to the topic of self-help or how to help people with issues that might relate somehow to either behaviors they would like to fix or maybe some mental health challenges they might have. Like Dr. Phil. Like Dr. Phil. Or hoarders. (gasps) See? There it is. There it is. I knew it. I finally got there. Yes, you got there. Okay, so... We're going to talk on this episode about hoarders. About not just about hoarders. Okay. We're going to it's we're, it's a little bit of a, a conglomeration. It, the theme I decided it might be may I help you help yourself. Okay. And then we're going to talk about a couple different things. Okay. But mm-hmm. hoarders is the first one. All right. So, first of all, Ashley, what knowledge do you have about the issue of hoarding just from your own life or experiences? Okay. So, my experience with hoarders is I when when I've talked about this before when we went to Biltmore for my uh, birthday in 20, what was it? 2021. So I'm at Biltmore and this is going to make sense in just a second. You're walking through this amazing house and you see the opulence and, and everything about it. And then on the way home, we started watching Hoarders just because mm-hmm. it was a long drive and yeah. you just needed something to do. And we had started watching it in the hotel and we just got fascinated with it and we kind of got caught up in it. and said, we got to leave. You know, we can't just sit in the hotel and watch the show mm-hmm. all the time. So we're coming home and it is str- the just juxtaposition of the opulence I just left, mm-hmm. I am being struck with what I'm seeing on the small screen of these people. You kind of started feeling fascinated by these people. Like, sure, how do they just clean it up? Mm-hmm. Just clean it up. Right. How, how did it even get to this point? But then as you're watching it, you start to have an understanding. And also when the when the psychologists and the cleaning experts are working with them, you think in your mind, why don't you just throw away all the stuff mm-hmm. for them? Right. Why are you making them make the decision? And what they keep saying is they have have to participate right. because if they do not participate it's just going to go back to the way it was mm-hmm. and that's that's something that really struck me is and it helped me to understand mm. them a whole lot better yeah. in that it was a mental disorder and it wasn't something that would necessarily be other family members fault and it was almost like an addiction just like mm-hmm. any other addiction because a lot of times the family members would be on there and they'd be crying and saying please do this for me and the the person who was the subject couldn't even do it for the people right. they love right they just couldn't do it the stuff was more important to them but it wasn't necessarily the stuff it was like the the things that the stuff represented right so it was a fascinating study in psychology and to just let you know that these people it was a condition and that's something i had never considered before i just thought they were sloppy or messy Mm -hmm. but i spent about a month and a half just just really binging all of this and just immersing myself back in 2021 in this culture and Mm -hmm. these people and just really figuring all this kind of stuff out yeah. And I'd heard you mention the yeah. show, which is why I thought you would be so interested in I this. I am, yeah. yeah. I've not actually been exposed to the show as much. I've seen okay. little bits and pieces okay. of a few episodes. It's on YouTube. Yeah. Well, parts of it is on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To, to kind of dig into some of the, I guess, research around this, I found the definition put out by the American Psychiatric Association for what hoarding is. Mm-hmm. And this is a quote from them. People with hoarding disorder have persistent difficulty getting rid of or parting with possessions due to a perceived need to save the items. Attempts to part with possessions can create considerable distress and lead to decisions to save them. The resulting clutter disrupts the ability to use living spaces. And that's putting it gently. mm -hmm. There would be people where it would be piled in their living rooms and they'd have to creatively 
when you open the door, you have to walk through yeah. or walk on top of stuff. It had gotten yeah. that bad. One of the things that came up in several of the sources was they would keep trying to distinguish between hoarding and collecting. Because apparently okay. that's something that people have trouble sometimes telling the difference between. Mm-hmm. But they said people who have collections like stamps or model cars, they deliberately search out these specific uh-huh. items they're collecting. They categorize them. They display them. It's, yeah. it's like it's very intentional. Whereas when it's hoarding... It's trash. It can be anything. They can form uh, emotional connections. Yeah. It can cause great, as we keep using that word distress, it can cause great distress if they have to part with it. And it just doesn't seem like there's any kind of rhyme or reason mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. 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 I have seen a hoarder before that they did have a collection and he was keeping the stuff because he thought that it was going to be worth a lot of money. And uh, they finally talked him into doing an auction and it didn't sell for hardly anything. Oh, and it was so sad for him, but it was just the, the proof of this mm-hmm. is just stuff. Yeah. Not being able to, to kind of rationalize mm-hmm. with it. Like it's so emotionally attached that you mm-hmm. can't go cognitive. Yeah. You know, you can't really think logically. It mentioned in several of these sites that sometimes people will hoard animals. Yeah. Like this is another thing. Yes. Those were the, those were the hard episodes to watch. I've seen several <sighs> of those episodes mm-hmm. and hoarders themselves, the TV show, I think sometimes I'm guessing, obviously mm-hmm. I'm doing this from memory, but I think they got in trouble because they were cleaning up the animals, but they weren't necessarily reporting it during the mm. time of filming. So there was that, well, you're doing the show, but you didn't report this. And sometimes I think they would. So I'm don't hold me to this, but right. I remember there being dead animals oh, that they no. were finding. Oh, yeah. They Ugh. were finding animals. And there was one lady who had animals that had passed away that she kept in her freezer. Oh, my God. Or she would find them on the road and Ugh. she would freeze them and keep them. Okay. So yeah. definitely some yeah. mental health issues that need to be dealt with. Yeah. This source said that people with this hoarding disorder will sometimes collect dozens or even hundreds of pets and they may be confined inside yeah. or outside. And then, of course, as you've just said, because it's such a large number, many times the animals are not cared for properly. And then this can obviously affect the health and safety of those animals, but also the people people themselves because of the unsanitary conditions. Goodness. So back in 2013, it's, there was a statistic that said the overall prevalence of hoarding disorder was approximately like 2.6% of the population. But several sources I've seen have talked about they think that percentage is now higher. I think at because the top of, of hoarders, the pandemic. Yeah, I th- mm-hmm. well, even before the pandemic, I think that the hoarder said like one in 25. Oh my goodness, you're kidding. No, I am not. That seems way too common. Uh, do you think? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Oh. But yeah. So I saw in both the Washington Post and the Sunday Times that they had mentioned that this issue had been impacted by the pandemic. The Sunday Times put it this way, quote, hoarding is, however, a universal problem and has worsened worldwide during the pandemic, research in the U.S. and Italy has found. And then an article about the start of season 13 of Hoarders back when that came out, it said this quote, with more people at home, Hoarders has become even more relevant. So definitely worse since the pandemic started. I wonder if it's because they're already home, Mm -hmm. but then Hoarders tend to stay at home. Mm -hmm. So are they ordering more stuff offline? I wonder why. Well, that's like what's your guess? Interesting. Just just give me a guess. My guess is if you're already quarantined yeah. and you're stuck in your house, yeah. mental health issues, depression, anxiety, isolation are getting worse. Okay. You're ordering stuff for uh-huh. sure. Also, it mentioned at a different point, it, it mentioned the fact that if you're a hoarder, your loneliness, your isolation, all of those things are already elevated because you will sometimes be embarrassed yes. to let somebody into your yes. house. So probably during a quarantine, there's even less chance you're True. going to let somebody into your That's home, true. which no temptation then to clean up or to That's put any 
anything away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of the times they will, they, you're right. They will get embarrassed and the plumbing will stop mm. and they'll be too embarrassed to let anyone in to fix the plumbing right. and they'll just use the bathroom in the house. Right. Yeah. And they just, it, it just is that shame piling on top mm-hmm. of shame. Domino effect. Just yeah. things just keep getting worse yeah. and worse. A positive though, that it said was that although the issue has worsened, they feel that because of shows like Hoarders, the stigma around it has, has improved a little bit that people are more open to admitting or to seeking help than they would have been, you know, 10 or 20 years ago. Yeah, I think something that Hoarders does well is, at least from the episodes I've seen, Mm -hmm. they don't exploit the people. They tend to, at least to my opinion, seem to really be genuine in their want to help them. And they they also are willing to mm, do the tough love and say, look, you have got to get this together. Mm -hmm. And and they work with, because they bring in both the psychologist or psychiatrist, I'm not sure which one, and the, the cleaning expert mm-hmm. and they try to help them mentally so that they are able to build their own and they offer them resources they offer them yeah. i think six months worth of counseling and resources after the show's over because mm-hmm. they've only got a few days that they're there they fly in they follow the person around to do the pre-show mm-hmm. to show what it's like and then they have three or four days that's it that's all they have yeah that's fast especially mm-hmm. to deal with an all issue like i mean just based on the little pieces i've seen whoa yeah. i mean the time commitment that it would yes. take to try to deal with some of those situations. Well, they also have a lot of, I a think lot they of help. a lot of help and yeah. a lot of uh, local volunteers. Oh, so some good. of the, the family will come in and help or other people from the community will come in if they need an all hands on deck kind of thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Again, not being as familiar with the show as you are, is Dorothy Brenninger, is she someone on the show? Yes. Okay. Dorothy the organizer. Dorothy the organizer. Well, Dorothy in an interview talked about how she thought that maybe during COVID, some of these people stuck at home actually might have started using the show Hoarders as a tool to help Mm -hmm. them try to declutter. So that was another positive Mm -hmm. that may have come from this. And sometimes on YouTube, they will have marathons and they will have one of the Dorothy or Dr. I don't know if Robin, but I know I've seen Dorothy and I think Corey Chalmers has done it as well, where they will come on in between the episodes Mm -hmm. and especially in Dorothy's case. She will give tips on how to organize. Awesome. And say, in your home office, here's what you could do. And and just tips like that. So I think that's really good. So back to our theme, Mm -hmm. you know, may I help you help yourself. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. using some of these shows to help us in these ways, that's great. But we haven't actually given the summary of of what Hoarders is about. So according to IMDb, it is a reality TV show that features compulsive hoarders, people who are addicted to filling their homes with objects and how that spills out into their lives. second description from an article said it this way. The Emmy-nominated and Critics' Choice award-winning series shows experts stepping in to help people on the verge of crisis yeah. who are battling this compulsive disorder. Does yeah. that sound fair? It does. It's a it's a pretty broad summary, but yeah, yeah that's fair. Yeah. The show started back in 2009. It has run for 13 seasons. As far as I can tell, it's still going. Is that mm-hmm. the case? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, it has gotten a little bit of criticism because it talked about the fact that maybe even though they bring in these psychologists and they think about things like, as you said, trying to help the people participate in in this process and they have aftercare, that still the fact that it happens so quickly that Mm -hmm. these participants are forced to move so quickly through this process that that really may not allow the treatment that's recommended. Maybe. You know, the process that they need. So that was one criticism that, that came up. But there are a lot of positives to yeah. it. Yeah. 
I think the quick turnaround is, I mean, in most of these cases, the cleaners and the psychologists are doing this on the side Mm -hmm. and they all have full-time jobs. Mm -hmm. So I think they dedicate a certain amount of weeks per year. I'm not sure to filming this. Mm -hmm. So they only, if they, if they do 13 episodes in a season, that's 13 weeks, which is still a lot of time when you think about it. Yeah. And it's more, it's better than nothing. Yeah, well, which is what they had before. Yeah. So I went back to the American Psychiatric Association just to find out more about hoarding itself and like who would be at risk for becoming a hoarder. And here are a few things that they shared there. They said there are higher rates for people who are over 60 years old. I was going to say, mm. I wonder if it's people who survived the Great Depression oh. because they kept everything. That's interesting. Yes. Back back in during the Great Depression, you could not throw anything away because I I cannot remember the source that told me this. I think it was my mom, Rebecca, that told me this quote, but I don't know where she got it from. Mm-hmm. In that the Great Depression was, it was almost like regular life, but if you ran out of something, you could not get another one. Mm-hmm. So imagine if you ran out of bread and you just couldn't get any more bread, or if you ran out of plastic bags, if you were not going to be able to buy more plastic bags, then we would save our plastic bags and we would rinse them out and we would reuse them. And that mentality mm-hmm. would have carried over and that would be the over 60, well, that would be 90 now. Mm-hmm. So 60 and over. That's interesting because on a such a smaller scale than the Great Depression, I get that. But having gone through the pandemic experience, I mean, we had never experienced shortages of toilet paper right. or certain products. I mean, that's the first time now in my lifetime that, that I, I'll never think about some of those things the same way again. Imagine that for how long was the Great Depression? Right. Multiple and, years. So yeah. imagine having that toilet paper shortage for like eight years. Or life-threatening shortages. Yes. Things that you needed to survive, yes. possibly, that you yes. could not get for yeah so that that makes sense could also possibly be that I don't I don't know this but maybe there's a correlation maybe our tendency to have mental health issues also increases as we get older too mm-hmm. because it does say that another thing that they associate with hoarders are it's more likely to happen to people who already have other psychiatric diagnoses such as anxiety or depression so maybe that's also higher you, you know that may be an overlap there yeah. it says that the prevalence and features of hoarding appear to be similar across countries and cultures so it's not like it strikes Mm -hmm. one more so than another Mm -hmm. it also seems to be that women and men are equally susceptible to it and it does say that hoarding behavior begins relatively early in life but increases in severity with each decade I would say because you get more money you know Mm -hmm. that would make sense so if you're you're tending to hoard when you're younger you don't have enough money to buy stuff but as you grow financially you have more money to buy stuff Mm -hmm. And I have to fight, I don't want to say I have a hoarding tendency, but I have a cluttering tendency, as you can look around. This is all my stuff. And I have... It's very neat. But that's it. Yeah. I try to keep it very neat and tidy. Mm -hmm. And every once in a while, I put a lot of sentimentality into objects. Yes. And that's where it gets started. So I have to go through and go, I can't take this with me. Mm -hmm. You know, have these big cleans every once in a while and get rid of things. Like I just did a big closet clean because I thought I'm getting too many clothes Mm -hmm. and I don't need all this stuff. I wear the, you know, relatively the same thing, same things unless I go out. So let's pare this down. Yeah. And it took me a while, but I was very intentional. Like you were not putting this back in because mm-hmm. I don't want to have that kind of issue. I work hard not to have right. that kind of issue. Yeah. Well, another source mentioned some other things that could contribute to it, not just the fact that you know having other mental disorders, but 
but it specifically said that ADHD could be something that could make it worse or could possibly contribute or abuse of alcohol were two other things they brought up Mm -hmm. or even OCD. From the Mayo Clinic website, they offered a few signs and symptoms of when you might be moving into hoarding behavior. They talked about a few things such as excessively acquiring items that are not needed or for which you don't have space, Mm -hmm. persistently having difficulty throwing out or parting with things, no matter what their value may be, Mm -hmm. feeling this strong need to save things and being upset at the thought of getting rid of them, Mm -hmm. building clutter to the point to where you can't even use your rooms. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then having a tendency toward indecisiveness, perfectionism, avoidance, procrastination, and problems with planning and organizing. So some of those things... some of those boxes. (laughs) (laughs) But some of those things are early warning signs. You know, it's not like this means you're a hoarder. It's just some things to kind of watch out for. And then a different site said some other things like if you notice there's something having an impact on your daily life. For example, you can't pay your bills because you can't find them. That could be like a warning sign. Or being more isolated from your friends and family because you are feeling shame about letting them come into your house. Like that could be something to watch out for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So treatments, this is where we've already kind of touched on this, but this one's a tricky one because it's hard to really... They have to want to be mm -hmm, cured. It's hard to really cure this one. It talks about, I think the, the most common and the and the treatment that they seem to feel is the best is cognitive behavioral therapy, which they call CBT, that seems to be the one they think is most effective. And during CBT, the person gradually learns to discard unnecessary items with less distress. So they're trying to kind of like gradually get them to move through this process. And so they're trying to work on reducing this intense need in them, this desire to save something, yeah. you know, kind of like almost weaning them off of it. And it says they also learn to improve their skills with organization, decision making and, and relaxation, like you know, helping them, I guess, just to, to kind of get those those skills mm-hmm. built up. But despite the effectiveness of CBT for hoarding disorder, it said a substantial number of people still remain clinically impaired after treatment. They'll either relapse or they just they like they may do like this temporary cleanup and then they just go right back to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what happened. That's what on hoarders they say if you don't do the work, mm-hmm. it's good, and sometimes it's worse. Yeah. So they clean up everything and then it's like the emptiness is a reflection of the emptiness on the inside and they have to fill it with stuff. Mm-hmm. So it'll they'll come back in a year and sometimes they'll follow up with their previous clients and it's worse. Oh, sometimes so they're sad. good, but sometimes it's worse. There was one fellow, I think, that got his kids taken away. Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, when it's something like that where you they you just know they can't help it. Like they really cannot help this. Ah, this is again where I, it comes back to that point I made before. That's why some people criticize hoarders for not taking more time because they feel like it it needs to be a more gradual process maybe mm-hmm. to make a real difference for people a little too abrupt maybe but on the flip side as you said it talked about the fact that the hoarders show it doesn't pay the participants anything but it will sometimes like if they if they have to repair the house or they have to put some new furniture in there the hoarder show will cover that yeah. and they do pay for some follow-up care for after six to eight months the, yeah mm-hmm. after care was after care. six months is a long time it of is. after care yeah it is and hopefully like and I think that kind of offsets the fact that you had to do this process mm-hmm. so quickly but maybe if somebody's there working with you for the next six to eight months mm-hmm. trying to mm-hmm. to get you to kind of keep working on that maybe that mm-hmm. helps a lot I don't know you said it was gonna be a happy one well I thought it <laughs> Maybe I need to like redo this intro. <laughs> 
Well, that was our focus on hoarders. We're going to switch gears to a totally different topic that I think you will also find very relatable. Oh, dear. Okay. But first, let's take a little break. All right, let's do it. Do you ever wander through the aisles of Barnes & Noble and dream of seeing your book on the shelves? We get it. It's true that publishing is about timing and luck and a hundred other factors, but the first step is crafting opening chapters that an agent can't put down and a social media presence that works for you rather than becoming a time-eating chore. I'm Kenzie from The Right Stage, and we're here to help. Check out therightstage.com or The Right Stage on social media to discover all of our story coaching and social media branding packages. All right, we're back. Okay. And ready to talk about cats. Cats! I have one right here. <laughs> I, I have one behind me. It was, and they're doing such a lovely job, by the way. They're, so, they're quietly sleeping. He got off from the bakery. He's off work. And he's <laughs> sleeping on his favorite blanket. Here's a question, Ashley, to lead into this little self You're going to talk about crazy cat show. ladies. I am self-help. not going to talk crazy about cat. You said, one you'll identify with, cats. <laughs> No. You insane woman. This is an intervention, isn't it? That's (laughs) not it. That is not it. But let me ask you this. Yes. Have you ever had a cat who seemed to have a strange behavioral condition? Besides the one that's laying right here? (laughs) Scotty? Well, I mean, being deaf isn't his fault. He was sick and... Uh, like what? What do you mean? Aggression suddenly suddenly decides not to use the litter box. I mean, just like unusual oh, behavior yes. that's just like kind of out there. Yes. Okay. Do you want to share one? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, like, our, okay, so our cat, Rooney, he was named after Mickey Rooney. And he we discovered him in a field. Mm-hmm. He was starving to death. Mm-hmm. And what we think happened is we think he belonged to the person who passed away, who had a mm. farm behind us. And we think he was one of his barn cats. Oh. So he ended up on our farm. And I walk out there and I see him. I'm like, hey, buddy. And he just ran up to me and started rubbing all over me. So he ended up moving in. But he has had a hard time learning how to be a cat. Ah. I have worked with him for about two years now. And he is a very sweet cat, but he is learning to play. He didn't know Mm -hmm. how to play. Mm -hmm. He didn't know how to get along with other cats. And he still has this, at least he has the kindness to forewarn us. (laughs) But he will, he gets overstimulated really easily. And he will, if you pet him or show him too much affection, he's like, and then as soon as he does that, he's going to bite you or scratch you. Oh, okay. And he's just saying, like, I need some space. Yeah. And we've tried to be very, if he picks on the other cats, he picks on Henry a lot. Hmm. Which Henry's a sweet cat. He doesn't do anything to anybody. He's kind of simple. Mm-hmm. But Rooney will just smack him and he gets sent outside. Yeah. So that's the way, the way we've disciplined him. We don't spank him. We just say, you got to go outside. So now it kind of worked against us because if he wants to go outside, he goes and picks on the cat. <laughs> <laughs> he goes and picks on somebody. He's like, throw me out. <laughs> but anyway, that that's something. And we have had cats in the past that have peed mm-hmm. outside of the litter box. And it usually is because they have an infection. An or something. infection. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's not behavioral. That's just of illness. I don't even know if you know this story, but we have a situation. Camden, my son, when he came home from college in the pandemic, unexpectedly, he had to bring his cat with him, Lila. And so his bedroom was upstairs. So we have my cat, Leo, did not like Lila Uh, and Lila did not like Leo. uh, And so we tried to like introduce them and they, they didn't get along. Well, our mistake, we're thinking this won't be a very long situation. You know, Lila will be leaving again soon. She he seems to be happy upstairs mm-hmm. you know we'll just kind of let this go well it's now been two years not quite but moving on and what we have is a situation where lila is still in our house and she has the run of the upstairs she's got we have an office up there and a bathroom and so she's like 
that's like her little space, but she will not come down. She has never set foot in the rest of our home. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, what do we do about this? Because now we've let this go for all this time thinking it was a temporary situation. And now it does not appear to be. (laughs) She has moved in. So that is a situation that, that we've been dealing with. All this brings us to... The cat psychologist guy? Yes. I've never seen his stuff. Oh, but really? it's fascinating to me. Yes. Yeah. I have actually watched a few episodes. Okay. And it is fascinating. The show, his self-help show, is called My Cat from Hell. <laughs> <laughs> it ran for 10 seasons on Animal Planet from 2011 to 2018. Hmm. And it's actually, it is super, you, you need to watch it. It is super fascinating. But the basic premise of the show is that people who have behavioral concerns about their cats call this man, whose name is Jackson Galaxy, and he comes in. That's and, a made up name. Well, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> but he comes in and he coaches them as they guide their cat okay. to improve his or her behavior. Yeah. So here's a little summary found on I think IMDB from spastic cats that break up relationships to violent felines that put their owners in the hospital cat I know cat behaviorist Jackson Galaxy has seen it all follow Jackson as he brings his unique understanding of cats to desperate families on the verge of giving up on their furry companions Mm. yeah so they they keep referring to Jackson as a cat whisperer he's clearly the star of the show yeah and one of the sources I read said he actually figured out he had this gift for you know working with cats during this time that he was working in a Colorado animal shelter while dealing with his own addiction he had he had a he had a pretty serious problem with substance abuse and so during this time he figured out he could connect with cats he kind of had this natural rapport and he had figured out how to work with them and so he has now turned this into a business good for him this guy has published books he is a motivational speaker he's had this show he was in a different show i think it was called cat versus dogs which i believe was also on animal planet i mean he's made it a thing in case people are wondering he's not just a cat person back in 2020 there was an article that talked about at that time he had seven cats three dogs a turtle what he referred to who is a talkative foster rooster and two hens. So he it's not that he's only cat, you know, oriented, but he just understands the difference between the different animals and yeah. what their needs are. He That's understands really neat. them. Yeah. So it's interesting because he gives a little advice, little insights into cats. And here's one of the things that Jackson tells people. He says, cats are not designed to please you. Feed them. This is a quote, by the way. Feed them, make them comfortable, and they'll be your friend. It's about making them happy and not yourself. The frustration comes from, he always refers to cat owners as guardians. Yeah. The frustration comes from. I thought they were servants. (laughs) That's funny. From guardians communicating with the needs of the cat and being in a relationship with a cat, which is a very different beast than a relationship with a dog. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And so he, he, he makes the point that people don't seem to understand that. You have mm-hmm. to really realize where your cat is coming from. They are not there to be your friend and your loving companion. They're there to coexist. Mm-hmm. So one of his quotes made me think about the situation with Lila, which actually makes me want to go and buy his book. Okay. Because his latest book, which came out in 2017, is Total Cat Mojo and supposed to be the book where he has everything he knows all in one place. This actually makes me want to to go 
buy that book. If you do it, let us know if it works. I will. He says that satisfying a cat is one thing, but making two or more of them happy and getting along is another. Yeah. His quote was, cat mojo equals ownership of territory and having something in that territory that speaks to their basic needs. It allows them to know they're not being challenged. So I think that kind of speaks to how to think about getting them to share the territory and to work together. So I want to know what his specific strategy are I didn't get that part that's interesting because I know we've only really talked about Scotty and Henry because they're usually the ones in here with us but we currently have five Hmm. so we have Roxy and Willow and Rooney and Henry and Scotty and if Scotty sleeps with me so he likes to tuck under my arm Mm -hmm. or something like that that's his time yeah and if Henry comes if I'm sitting up in bed and reading if Henry comes and gets in my lap and Scotty sees this he will jump up and he will get higher than Henry (laughs) so that he's now here and Scotty's on my lap because he's like no 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 this is my Mm -hmm. time with her this is my spot with her and so they will but Henry is so sweet he'll never fight it he'll just he'll just walk away but Scotty he's very like no no I'm the favorite I go here at nighttime yes and if if um, Rooney is laying on the bed and one of them jumps up he'll get down because huh. that's not his it's weird it's, it's dominance like the, yeah the establishing dominance or this is my area that's territory. not your area mm-hmm. this is my territory yeah mm-hmm. yeah they're so interesting well their episodes are fascinating to watch So just to give you an example of how they play out, it talked in an article that one of his most famous clients was a Portland family that had a cat named Lux, and it was so aggressive that it literally trapped them in a bathroom, and they referred to it as the 911 cat because the family ended up calling 911 for help getting out of the bathroom. (gasps) Oh my God. Yeah. What he did, of course, what we see is like basically an hour long episode. Yeah. But he shares behind the scenes that what happens is he has to go and he visits that cat in person. He has to see the cat in its environment uh-huh. and he has to work with that family. He talked about in real life, this is his quote, in real life, the conflict and therapy went on for a year. <gasps> There was an ongoing series of successes and failures and setbacks and devastations and people going to the hospital. What? I'm really proud of this family for not just chucking this cat outside. Right? That's yeah. dedication. Good for you guys to go and like, we're going to fix this. Yeah. You crazy cat. One episode I did see was where the female, the woman had the cat and then started dating this guy who moved in. And this cat was aggressive toward him. Mm-hmm. I mean, Brian like, had a cat that she ate my picture. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, no. She made a statement. Yes. They're like people. Yeah. <laughs> they really Yeah. Like... They're like, not your man, my man. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm really understanding the term catty. Wow. All She's... right. Yeah, ate my literally ate my picture, chewed it up. That's hysterical. That is pretty funny. Yeah. Well, this show ended in 2018, but in 2020, they did a one-hour special, which, as we saw earlier when we were talking about hoarders, it was prompted by the fact that things have gotten worse during the pandemic. So cats' behavior has gotten worse? I guess because the owners are home, and they're not used to them being home, and it's like a new dynamic. What are you doing here? This is my house. Yep, that is part of it for sure. He said that he started getting flooded with messages not long after the 
pandemic, the quarantining started, saying that their cats were driving them crazy. They were driving their cats crazy mm. because they were there all the time. And so they needed help. This is like a married couple when the husband retires and they <laughs> don't know. And he's home all the time. She's like, you need to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> or, or we need a schedule where yes. we figure out how we're going to intersect and yes. where we're going to. Yeah. So he talked about for this 2020 special, it was kind of fascinating, I thought. He, he'd made such a big deal about before the pandemic that when he would be walking down the street, people would approach him and they would ask for advice about their cats all the time. Mm -hmm. And he would end up saying, I'm sorry, can't help you. You know, read my book if you want like the tips and the strategies because it's all in there. But in terms of actually working with your cat and helping you, I would have to like meet your cat, be in your home, work one-on-one -on -one with yeah, them. Yeah, I can't just tell you right. without meeting them. So he talked about how it was it was such this, this personal relationship that he had yeah. to interact with them. But because of the pandemic, he realized he could work in a different way. What they did was they set up all these surveillance cameras so that he could see the the cats in their daily interactions. Okay. He could see what happened before the behavior. He could actually watch the behavior. He could watch through the cameras and he also had a lot of video conferences with the owners. So okay. they, they did it all remotely. Okay. He said that it may not have been as good as being there in person, but it was really close because it ended up letting him see things that he wouldn't get to see when he would be doing visits. Oh, because you know, maybe the owners are acting the way they would normally act or the, there's not a stranger in the house so they're behaving as a normal. Or he might be only there for 30 minutes or an hour on this visit whereas this camera they could find that forward. moment mm -hmm. and see what these two cats were really doing to each other when nobody was around. Gotcha. Yeah. So what I thought was fascinating was really what it came down to when you would say well what's the problem with the cat in any of these circumstances? It really always came came down to the cat guardian. The person? Like the person. It's <laughs> like it's always error. the person's not doing something <laughs> well. I think what he's saying is that we sometimes make the mistake of viewing our relationships with our cats in the same way that we view our relationships with other people. And cats are just not like that. They are driven by what's happening for them in that moment, their needs and what they want. And it's not personal if they suddenly walk away from us or attack us because they're focused on, I want food or I'm now ready to go do this. And, so cats are narcissists, <laughs> right? That's what he's saying. Basically. Okay, yeah. yeah. It's, it's not, I don't care what you did for me yesterday. What have you done for me today? Absolutely. But they are good companions. I feel like you can have a friendship with a cat if you do it on their terms. So I volunteered for a time mm -hmm. at my local Humane Society. Mm -hmm. I haven't been able to get there as much through the pandemic, but I spent a lot of time with them. And I learned that if you pick them up and love on them, mm -hmm. the second that they start to resist it, put them down. Mm. Because that lets them know that they can trust you. Oh. If I say to you, I'm not feeling this, that you're going to respect that. Yeah. And I think for me, being an editor or being someone who is stationary a lot, having cats as companions works really well. I had a little dog that I absolutely adored. His name was Riley and he was one mm. of my very best friends for 15 and a half years until he, he passed away actually in April of 2020. But it was hard to be his mom mm -hmm. because as a dog mom, they want to play. They mm. want to be outside. They want to do things. And my lifestyle is not like that. Mm -hmm. So I haven't gotten another dog. First of all, I don't think I could ever love a dog 
as much as I loved him. I'm sure it could happen, but in this in this moment, I still am not ready to. Mm-hmm. But with having cats, they live their own life, yes. and then our lives intersect. Right. And I feed them. They'll. My one cat Willow is so intelligent. Mm-hmm. If I miss it or if I'm busy editing, she'll come and tell me. Like <laughs> it's dinner time. You need to come and take yes. care of this. My cat Henry has um, diabetes. He will tell me, "Hey, it's time for my shot." You know, he. They're so smart, and I think that they trust me. And maybe I'm you know, putting all these emotions on them. I don't know. But I think we have a companionable relationship mm-hmm. because I am home a lot of the time and I know their behavior and I know when they're sick. And something mm-hmm. else at my local vet, they said during the pandemic, they got a lot busier because people were home with their animals and being able to sense if oh, something was wrong. That's, Isn't that interesting? Yeah. That if they were gone, they may not see that they're sick, but mm-hmm. they were having a lot more people come in because they're like, oh, hey, my cat isn't acting normal. Yeah. Or I'm sensing that they're not doing well. Yeah. I think my cat, love I think they love us I think the difference is I'm just kind of going out on a limb here so maybe maybe I'll rethink this I'm talking out loud what I'm doing Mm -hmm. but I I feel all the time (laughs) I feel like dogs love us to the point that they are there to please us yes they want to be near us they want us to be happy they want us to be showing them our affection and our love they're needier Mm -hmm. not in a negative way Mm -hmm. in a positive way I think cats do love us and they love the attention and they can have trust. They can have those emotions, I think, as as far as pets do those things. But I think it's still always about them and their needs first. There's a sign in my my mom's kitchen. It says, dogs have masters, cats have servants. (laughs) I like it. I like it. Well, that's the end of our two shows. Very interesting. For the May I Help You Help Yourself episode. (laughs) May I Help You Help Your Cat. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, in this. Help You Help Yourself Not Get Attacked by Your Cat. Gosh, (laughs) 911. That's terrible. Yeah, it's scary. Armchair psychologist. So for our armchair psychologist portion, I thought I would just ask you, we've we've just talked about two shows. There are so many other shows Mm -hmm. out there. What are your thoughts in general about reality shows that are designed to try to help people deal with things like mental health issues or behaviors like these? I think as long as they're genuine in their intention, I think they're they're good. If they don't exploit the people, Mm -hmm. if they're genuine in their intention, they truly are wanting to help them from an educational standpoint and not necessarily entertainment well of Mm -hmm. course entertainment is part of it but if their motivation is more for the pure self-help I think they're very good because not only do they help the people in the moment but they help us watching right watching at home some people who may be watching this cat show could go my cat's doing that and if they can't afford to get this guy they can still watch him for free and apply some of those behaviors and Mm -hmm. try it and that could save save some cats lives you know and Mm -hmm. they won't get tossed out in the street or they won't get euthanized before they should be I think all of that is good all the stuff he's doing is good as far as hoarders go i like the show i i know you said the criticism of not long enough resources but some resources are better than no resources mm-hmm. and a lot of times they stay in the people's lives and even if they're not being paid to check on them they'll go and check on them and say how are you doing or mm-hmm. and i think in some cases they've even gone back and asked the show we need to go back and help this person because right. they do care at least in my opinion i mm-hmm. i don't know maybe maybe they don't but i feel like they do i feel like your fella the cat fella he mm-hmm. seems to genuinely care and want to make people's lives better and their relationships with their pets better and the hoarders want to help people mm-hmm. repair their relationships with their own families too. Yeah. I really like that you brought up the point of exploitation because that's one of my biggest concerns mm-hmm. is what is the motivation behind this mm-hmm. and what is the impact on the people who participate. Mm-hmm. That's something that I would love to see. I tried to find some research and statistics but honestly I didn't have as much time to dig into this as I, I would have liked so I didn't really come up with anything but 
I would love to see data because if the show is designed to help people with mm-hmm. whatever issue it may be, do we then see that based on numbers that it has helped the population? Yeah. Do we see that fewer people are dealing with this? Or do we see that more people have strategies and therefore there's been some progress made with yeah. whatever the issue may be? I just don't want anybody who needs help in any capacity, whether it's hoarding or with a crazy cat, I don't want them to be embarrassed and not reach out. Mm-hmm. So I hope that these shows don't embarrass the people and, and make them go, I, I do need the help and I feel like I could trust these people. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, at least for me, I'm not watching it to make fun of the people who right. are the hoarders. I feel badly for them. Mm-hmm. I feel their pain. I know it's a deep emotional problem and I want them to get better. I'm rooting for them too. Mm-hmm. So I hope that other people are watching it too. There probably are people who watch them to make fun of them and I hope that's the minority. But I hope there are other, especially if the statistic is true, one in 25. Mm-hmm. That means... Yeah, that's a lot of people That's a lot of that. people who need this help. Yeah. And I hope that they feel like they can, even if it's not through hoarders, if they can go to a friend mm-hmm. and say... I I need help. One of the shows that came to my mind when I thought about this was Biggest Loser. Mm, I don't like that title. Right? You can find so many conflicting perspectives Mm -hmm. about that because you have people who say, well, it led to body shaming. It led to making fun. People didn't actually lose weight. Mm -hmm. It was more about the ratings than Mm -hmm. about long-term health. But then you can also find people who are saying, no, there's more empathy now for the issues that people can face when they're dealing with. You know who I feel like really had empathy for heavier people was Richard Simmons Mm -hmm. and sweating to the oldies Mm -hmm. because he put out these videos and he treated people with kindness Mm -hmm. and he said you know we're just gonna have fun and we're gonna you move the way you can because I I think I used to do some of his videos and I just was because he used to be heavier so he knew how it felt and everybody just adored him so I like the way he approached it Mm -hmm. and people would make fun of him too and I think he kind of did that big crazy personality but I really think it is heart he was a good I'm saying was he's still he's still alive but in his videos he was a good kind person that just said we're gonna get through this together and I guess that's the what I'm looking for is the shows that say we're gonna get through this together I'm walking this with you right then I think you could trust them yeah well I think that brings us to the end of this episode who should we cheers Ashley well we gotta cheers Mr. Galaxy and (laughs) the, the team at Hoarders there's Corey and Robin and Matt and Dorothy and many many others that I'm not naming but cheers to you guys and thank you for helping people cheers this episode of scandal water was executive produced by candy thomas that's me and ashley raymer brown that's me it was researched and written by candy thomas and edited by ashley raymer brown all music was written composed performed and mixed by josh martin The artwork was designed by Matt C. Adams, while our website was developed by Joshua Reith. If you like what you hear and you want to help keep the scandal water brewing, please go to our website, scandalwaterpodcast.com. Just click on your podcatcher of choice, then hit follow to subscribe. And while you're there, you might as well leave us a five-star rating and review. And don't forget, it's always more fun when you share your tea with others. As a reminder, this podcast is purely for entertainment purposes. The thoughts and opinions of the host during each episode of Scandal Water are their own and do not reflect the opinions of any future guests, advertisers, or clearly professional psychologists. Thanks for listening.